Good morning. So how many of you are enjoying the long weekend this weekend? Great. It's not done, so we're just in the middle of it. Today I want to talk to you about words. Words are very important. I learned this when I started dating my wife, Kelsey. Uh, and everybody, yeah. So uh, we started dating at Baba College, and the joke with Baba College is everybody goes there single and comes back married. So uh, when we started dating, I just would joke about that. I would make fun of it. It wasn't really serious, but it was just a joke to me. But uh, there comes a point in a relationship when it's no longer funny to joke about marriage. Um, <laughs> and because uh, it is serious, right? So, um, and Kelsey, I think at one point she was wondering, okay, when in the world are you going to realize this is actually an option for us? So she got there way before I did, uh, which is common. Guys are a bit slow. But uh, I remember when I finally did get to that point, uh, realizing that marriage was a possibility. And at that point, it was just like the one thing that was on my mind uh, for months. And it was no longer a joke to me. I, I wouldn't even whisper the word marriage. It was so scary. And, uh, yeah, so it was during this time I was helping out at youth group um, on Wednesday nights. And I was in the kitchen, and uh, Jim comes up to me. I don't know how many of you know Jim Paulson, but he's the kind of guy that will just ask you anything um, as if it's no big deal. So I was, I was in the kitchen, and he comes up to me. He says, hey, Gary, uh, so are you going to marry Kelsey? And, like, there's youth running everywhere. There's chips flying everywhere. And I have to answer this question, like this fragile question. And uh, he really caught me off guard. So um, without even thinking, I just kind of said, yeah, I'm going to marry Kelsey. And uh, Andrew Hofer, where is he? He's right over there. Andrew Hofer and Craig Metric, they were in the kitchen too, and they just turned around. And they're like, oh, what, you're getting married? And <laughs> at that point, like, I didn't even thought about this. Like, I wasn't ready to say it, you know. I just kind of said it. And then the ball was rolling very quickly. It was very scary, and I was thinking, uh, man, three people just heard me say this. This is getting out of control. <laughs> but it was good, though. It, I don't know how... Like, that was a pretty significant moment for me because at that point, it just kind of clicked that, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And I just kind of made steps towards that. Uh, so I think I'm in the same place again, though, but now it's with the idea of kids. So before, it was kind of a joke, but now I don't even want to talk about it. So, <laughs> so don't bring it up. Uh, but I tell you all this to say that, that I've recognized in my life, and perhaps you have too, that words are important. They're very important. And uh, Paul the Apostle had a lot to say about words in his letter to Titus. Now, Titus, it's only three chapters, a pretty short book in New Testament. So I don't know how many of you are familiar with it. So we're just going to zoom out for a second, and we're going to look just at the New Testament. So the New Testament has a few different books different style of books. There's uh, f- five of them that are, you would understand them as historical accounts. So that's the four Gospels and, uh, and Acts. So they're stories. They're stories about what happened. And then there are letters, some written by Paul, some written by a few others, either to uh, churches or to individuals. So what we're going to look at is uh, Paul, a letter that Paul wrote to Titus. So Paul is 
he's like this New Testament superstar, right? He's everybody, everybody knows who he is. You hear so much about him. He's written so many books. His stories and acts. It's tempting to think that he was kind of a one-man show, but he wasn't. He had teammates. And Titus was one of his teammates. At one point, Titus and Paul, they went to an island called Crete. And it's in the Mediterranean Sea. And the reason why they went there was because the church in Crete, um, they had a few issues. So they, the, both of them went there. Paul didn't stay for too long. He left. But Titus stayed there to work out some of these issues. So what were the issues in Crete? One very practical issue was the church was disorganized. So Titus was there to appoint leaders and to, to organize this whole thing. But it was kind of hard because in Crete, the, at the time, the moral standard was a bit low. So he was having a pretty difficult time figuring out, okay, how do I organize this whole thing? And Crete, it's, it's not like an island with one palm tree. Like, it's, it's a pretty big place. And so uh, I couldn't imagine having that task. Like, I would have been stressed out. Uh, so, so he has this huge task to do. And in the middle of it, Paul sends him a letter basically saying, here are some things that will help you out in dealing with this task. Uh, as I was thinking of what I was going to say to you guys this week, I was toying with the idea of just reading Titus to you, but I don't know if we're... It's a long weekend, so I don't know if we want to do that, but um, I'm just going to summarize a bit of it for you. So, and follow along with in your Bibles, if you like. The letter starts with Paul giving an introduction and a greeting like he always does. And he then gets straight down to business and starts telling Titus, here's what you got to look for in a leader. And so he lists, um, does a list. He says, this is what you should look for. Make sure that leaders have these attributes. And then he starts talking about why he needs to be looking for these people. And so... We're going to start reading in Titus 1.10. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. So this is the reason why Titus is to appoint good leaders. It's because... Um, there's rebellious men, empty talkers, and deceivers who are affecting the church. Okay, so when you read that description, what kind of image comes to mind? Uh, do you think of somebody, you know, 2,000 years ago wearing strange clothes, has a, you know, a, an evil smile on his face, just the obvious bad guy? Um, I don't think that's what he's talking about. And, and that's, a, by the way, that's a, a little bit of a trick that you got to, uh, realize whenever we read the Bible, it's easy to read it when we think that it's talking about people that are way different than us or completely different than us. But uh, most of the time, it's not talking about people that are way different. And so what I need to constantly do is whenever I read something like this, I need to ask myself, do I resemble this in any way? Uh, so what I want to pay a special attention to is the phrase empty talkers. So we'll keep reading in uh, verse 15. We'll to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but their, by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. So first of all, these guys are not the obvious bad guys. Uh, these are people 
who say that they know God. Um, when we read the Gospels, like who were the people that gave Jesus the most trouble? It was people who said that they knew God or, or would say that they know God. Uh, it seems that some of the most dangerous people can be people that, that think everything is good with them. And so we need to always be looking at our lives and always be examining ourselves to make sure that we're not off track. Second, not, okay, so how do we do that? Second, Paul says, they may be really good with their words, but how good are they with their actions? So start listening to their life. And that's, that's what we've got to really start. When we think about ourselves, our walk with God, what do we say? And then what do we, what do, we do? Like what, what are our actions? If we were to take away all of our words and we were just to look at what we did, we just looked at our actions, uh, how much of the gospel would we see? And this is how you, how you keep things in check. It's not enough to just agree with the gospel. It has to show up in your life somewhere. At least that's what Paul, it seems like Paul is saying here. So, chapter 2. But as for you, and so now this is where it changes. So, he was talking about the people that were causing problems. Now he's switching cameras, and he's looking at Titus. But as for you, let's read uh, chapter 2, 1 to 8. Speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. So, as we read this, Look at how many references there are to speech. Speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in the faith, in love, and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, <clears throat> urge the young men to be sensible and all things show yourself to be an example in good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified and sound in speech. An example in good deeds. So notice the contrast between, between what the guys we were talking about earlier who say all kinds of things but nothing shows up in their life. But as for you, Paul is saying, be an example in good deeds and sound in speech. So I want to make two points. Number one, Christianity should be understood primarily as a life that's lived. Christianity should be understood primarily as a life that's lived. If we're not careful, we could treat the gospel as if it's an idea to be talked about and agreed with rather than a life that's lived. And that's what we need to be so careful of. You're not a Christian just because of your opinions. You're a Christian because of your life. Our words need to find some sort of practical expression. So, like I, growing up, I really started to recognize that there was a difference here between what I agreed with and then what I, what I did, what I exemplified in my life. So, for example, you may agree that it's good to love your enemies. Good, that's good. You agree with it. But how does that show up in our lives? How, how do we exemplify that? How do we display that? And, uh, like, a few months ago, I, t I did a sermon on, on good deeds, and I on actions, on obedience. And th that's a topic that, that is really misunderstood by a lot of people. Um, 
it's not about proving yourself to God or anything like that. Um, it's about entering into a life. It's, it's, it's not just words. It's, it's a life that you live. And uh, when you look at what Jesus commands us to do, when he commands us to be humble, when he commands us to be childlike in our faith, to be the person who washes people's feet, like, those things aren't hard, but they're hard, if you know what I mean. Like, they're really tough. But it's not like only a select few people can do it. Like, we can all do these things. And it's not so that we can impress anybody or anything like that. It's, it's, it's the kind of, it's, it's how we enter into true life. And that's really what uh, the gospel's all about. And point number two that I want to make, sound speech inspires others around you to live the gospel. Sound speech inspires others around you to live the gospel. If we keep reading in Titus 3 to 8, uh, we'll find this. Let's read it. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed in God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. So he's giving a warning. There are certain things that aren't really worth um, dividing over. So there's some things that are more important than the color of carpet in this church. There's some things more important than the style of music we play. There's some things more important than whether we have the barbecue at, end of, at the end of June or not, which we are, so don't worry. We're having that. We're not changing that. But there's some things that are more important than that. Like churches split over some pretty trivial things. Hopefully that we won't ever do that. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Avoid foolish controversies, for they are unprofitable but rather speak confidently so that those around you will engage in good deeds. And so, sound speech, what is that? Speech can be so subtle. Like, we gotta, we got to recognize that there is certain things that are helpful to talk about and certain things that aren't. So, like, how easy is it to, sp- to slam your coworker at work with your words? Like, how easy is it to enter into gossip how easy is it to talk bad about somebody in the name of, you know, just fixing a problem or we're trying to sort something out, but then we end up talking bad about them? It, it can subtly happen. And you've got to ask yourself, like, is this helping anybody? Is it, con- is it constructive? Is it helping you? Uh, when you talk bad about somebody, it's, it's not just bad for them. It's bad for you as well. It changes something in you. Uh, I, like the story I said earlier, like how I, I said, yes, I'm going to marry Kelsey. Something changed to me. That was a good thing, right? Um, but when we say certain things, it has an effect on us. So you got to think, like, my words, are they helpful or are they tearing people down? How much of what I say helps and encourages people around me to live the gospel? And that's, that's a really good question to ask if you're trying to figure out, is my speech sound? Is what I'm saying helping people live the gospel? Like there's, there's so many different things that can derail us and distract us from being the church. And so that's why it's so important to be sound in speech. 
That's why it's so important to keep the main thing the main thing. So, so this week, let's just think about that. Let's think about, let's examine our speech. Let's first of all think, uh, what I agree with, what I say, is, is it showing up in my life? And, and if not, then, then let's, let's try to figure out how to do that. And second of all, are there some unhelpful things that I tend to speak? Do I open my mouth without thinking and then sometimes regret what I say? Um, am I helping people with what I say or am I tearing people down? <clears throat> so let's think about that. Worship team, you can come up as I pray. God, I pray that, that we as a church, that we would seek to be helpful in our speech, that we would avoid gossip, avoid even the, the insistence to be right. Sometimes we just need to be right sometimes. And like, that's not helpful either, God. I pray that we would have humility. I pray that, uh, that we would be thinking about the, the next person before we're thinking about ourselves. I pray that even the conversations we have, that we would direct our attention to other people rather than ourselves, that we'd seek to bring people up. Also pray that, that our talk wouldn't be cheap, that we would do what we say, that we, what we agree with, I pray that we would, that would show up in our lives. And we'd start asking ourselves questions. So what do I agree with? I agree that it's good to have childlike a faith. Okay. How do I do that now? How, do, how does that show up in my life? I pray that we'd start taking those steps. And I pray that as a church body, that we would speak words of life to each other, that we'd help each other out in our walk with you. In your name, amen. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole.
Yes, what a help in sorrow While the billows over Even when my heart is breaking He my comfort helps my soul I do now receive Him more than all in Him I find. He has granted me forgiveness. I am His and He is mine. as we go I pray that uh, this week that we would walk with you that we make a conscious decision to walk with you every day in your name amen